Well, good morning. Christmas perhaps seems like only yesterday, and it was only last uh, weekend on the Feast of the Epiphany that the coming of the three wise men to visit Jesus was celebrated in the church, and yet the gospel rushes us onto Jesus' first public appearance at his baptism. Now, we don't know a lot about Jesus' life uh, prior to this uh, day when he came and he was baptized. Now, uh, there is an exception. We all know what happened when he was 12 years old um, at the temple when he went to the temple. And, and there's more to that story. Uh, but, but we don't know a lot about Jesus. And so this was the beginning of his um, ministry. So I, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit rushed in the church here. I mean, we went from the from his birth, and we went to uh, talk about the, the 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 wise men that came, and then now we're rushing to his baptism. And so, um, I hope that we could just put on our seatbelts and just keep going. Um, but each one of these moments that we remember in the biblical story, it is a, an opportunity for us to be formed by God's word and formed by the church year that's around the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Today is the first Sunday in Epiphany, and we remember the baptism of our Lord. And as we discussed last Sunday, Epiphany is a celebration of the manifestation or the revealing of the presence of Jesus in our everyday lives. Epiphany helps us focus on how the presence of Jesus is affecting the way that we live each day, both in the simple, ordinary things and in the larger decisions and events that mark our lives. This season is about the promises we made during baptism being reviewed and renewed and refreshed. It is a time to recommit and to renew our promises and our commitment to follow Jesus. John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord and announce and baptize the one who will come to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. An epiphany is a time to allow, again, the Holy Spirit to immerse us, to baptize us with His fire, to empower us for missions so that we can faithfully follow Him. I encourage you to think about your baptism and all that it represents. If you were baptized as an infant, you might not remember, as I was just talking to the children, but your parents and godparents made these commitments on your behalf, and hopefully you reaffirmed them at confirmation. Uh, And we have had ongoing opportunities to renew these commitments as other people are baptized, and when we have uh, reaffirmations of our baptismal vows uh, throughout the year. And... Uh, we are told in the Bible to repent from our sins and believe, which means to put our trust in Jesus Christ and to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, as an adult, these often converge around the same time. And for those baptized as infants, it starts then and it comes together around confirmation. So it starts at their baptism, but they're like, it's like a glove. They come together. And so uh, being baptized as an infant is never meant to be a replacement of anything else. It's meant to be joined with confirmation when that child is able to make the promises for themselves 
and not just the promises that were made by their parents and their godparents. Now, for some children, they actually make that decision earlier than confirmation, and confirmation is just another way of being catechized and prepared for confirmation when the bishop comes and lays hands. And, and I mean, you can't go wrong to pray for more of the Holy Spirit to come and, and immerse you, anoint you, and touch you, right? For the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be released. I mean, there is a charism just in that. But for some people, that is their opportunity where they say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And uh, However, we, we must be careful not to pit one of these things against each other. What I mean by that, sometimes we, we want to talk about repent, believe, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we want to get into arguments, well, when do they happen, and no, it doesn't happen then, and you know, it doesn't make sense. And so I just want to encourage you not to get caught up in that. You know, the Bible clearly states in some places in the, um, that it says repent and believe in the gospel. Other places it says repent, believe in the gospel, and be baptized. And so what's right? Which one's wrong? I would say none of them's wrong. I would say they're all right. So yes, repent, believe, and be baptized. So it's essential. It's essential. All these things that work together. For a, an infant, they don't have that opportunity to make for themselves this belief and repent. And that's why they have an opportunity later to, to be able to make that commitment. They might not all happen at the same time, but all are important, as I just said. They're essential. So I'd encourage you during this epiphany season to think of what your baptism means, what it represents, and how it daily calls us to renounce sin, Satan, and evil, and to turn to Jesus, to repent of your sin and to put your faith and trust in his grace and love and seek to serve Christ and all people. Have you ever been sound asleep and dreaming then suddenly the door opens and a bright light shines full in your face and you hear this this voice that says, get up, get up, you're going to be late. Now for some of us, it's not an individual who actually says, get up, get up, you're going to be late. It's your alarm clock. Like this morning I was having a, well, I had a really bad night's sleep. And I was having a real difficult time entering into deep sleep. I was just kind of in that hazy mode, thinking about things. My brain's, you know, uh, moving and going and all these things rushing through my head. And I was just watching the clock go by. And, and I just, so it was around in 4.30-ish. And I'm just sitting here watching, thinking, oh, I got to get up at 4. Can I just get a few more minutes sleep? And I think the last I looked at the clock, it was 4.50, and then I evidently fell asleep because the alarm started going at 5. And so it was like a, it was an alert. It was a, it was a wake-up call. And that's, that's what I'm talking about here. Uh, John the Baptist was very much like that to the Jewish people of his day. John's ministry erupted upon this surprised Jewish world, and many had been looking for a sign from God, but they hadn't expected it to look like this. Many had wanted a Messiah to lead them against the Romans, to take up arms, to, to fight against these oppressors that were oppressing the, these, these people. But they weren't anticipating a prophet telling them to repent of their sins. Now, a prophet calling people to repent is not a new thing. You know that the whole, the whole Old Testament story, we, we find prophets you know, being raised up by God to call his people to repentance. But they were expecting someone to come join with them to fight in a military way against these oppressors. So John was a voice. He was shouting across the, the dreams and perhaps the nightmares of the Jewish people the Judaism that told again and again the story of freedom, but had no idea what freedom would look like when it came upon them. Keeping the analogy of light waking us up story, John the Baptist was splashing cold water 
um, all over them and telling them to get ready for the greatest moment in, in Jewish history, the greatest moment in all of the world. So the, the bright light he was shining in their faces was the story that they knew all very well, but perhaps with a new twist. Every year at Passover time, they recited the story of freedom. The story of the exodus from Egypt, telling over and over how God came through, showed himself strong, and rescued his people from Pharaoh, bringing them through the Red Sea and through the wilderness to the promised land. Along with the creation story, it's the most important story we find in the Old Testament. It's an image of what was to come in Jesus Christ. However, instead of simply hearing the words and remembering the story, John was turning it into a drama, a play, telling his hearers that they were to be the cast. They were to come through the water and to be free. They were to leave behind Egypt, the world of sin in which they were living, the world of rebelling against the living God, living life in the way um, that they wanted to live it and not following the ways of God. So they, the, the Israel of the day, they were looking and going in the, um, in the wrong direction. So it was time to turn around and go the right way, aligning one's life to God's purposes, will, and desires. And that's what repentance is all about. It was time to stop dreaming and to wake up to God's reality. Jesus is coming, and it's time to tidy things up to get your life right. So listen to how Eugene Peterson uh, captures Luke chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 in the Message Bible, which is a paraphrase. He says this, I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He is going to clean house, make a clean sweep of our lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he's going to throw out with the trash to be burned. I think it's a really good way of capturing what it says. Luke wants us to sense the shock of the new thing that God was doing. And if you're unable to sleep much, sometimes the night seems to go on forever. But then, just when you're dozing a bit, like what happened to me this morning, suddenly the alarm goes off. And it really is morning. And that is the mood here. It raises two questions for us as well. Number one, where are we asleep in our churches? Where are we asleep in our personal lives? Number two, what might it take to wake us up? Verse 22 says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So when the living God looks at us, at every repentant, believing, and baptized Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in and through Jesus Christ. At times it seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, but it's true. That God looks at us, and please hear this, this is so important. God looks at us and He says, You are my dearly loved child, and I am delighted 
in you. I know it might be hard for some of us to hear it for different reasons. But listen to the words of of God who spoke, spoke to his son Jesus and he speaks to each one of us. You are my dearly beloved child and I am pleased with you. I take great delight in you. Try reading it slowly and putting your name at the start and reflect quietly on God saying uh, that to you, both at your baptism and every day of your life. Scott, you are my dearly loved child. I'm delighted with you. Put your own name there. What is true of Jesus is true of his people. The word Messiah means anointed one. And the story tells how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was marked out as God's son who heard clearly that you are my dearly loved child and you bring me great joy. It is important for us to hear these words that God speaks to us, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. And he wants us to walk in this identity. This is who we are. I am dearly a loved child and I bring great delight to my God. And remember, God spoke these words about His Son before His Son even did the first known miracle. God spoke these words to His Son before He really ultimately started His three-year ministry. This was the beginning of His ministry. And He wants each one of us to know that despite of our performance, our works are the good we do or the bad that we do. That he loves us. He loves us. But let it sink from here to here. And it's really hard. It's really hard. This whatever, inches, 18 inches, somewhere around there. That, that, that drop. And you know what? I go in and out of periods of, of, just like you, probably, where I need to be reminded of this. And people need to speak these words over me. And I need to remind myself. And say, now I know this to be true, but I really somehow don't believe it in my heart. So how is this going to work? And I I hope and encourage you, this is the Sunday that we are reminded of what our identity is and who who our identity is found in, and that is through Jesus Christ. At times it it seems impossible, especially to people who have never had that kind of support um, from their families, as I've shared uh, with you already. But we... We need to remind each other, and we need to remind our children. We need to remind the people in our church, the people that we uh, come in, in contact with, of the love, acceptance, and approval, and the identity of who they are. The same story is told in Mark, but Mark in- includes this. He says, as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. Now, seeing heaven open or splitting apart doesn't mean that Jesus saw a little door slightly open miles up in the sky. Heaven in the Bible often means God's dimension behind ordinary reality. It's more as though an invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back so that instead of the trees and flowers and buildings, or in Jesus' case, the river, the sandy desert and crowds, We are standing in the presence of a different reality altogether. That's the reality of the kingdom of God. And and one of the things that Luke is saying to us is, look at this story, look at this life, and learn to see and hear in it the heavenly vision, the heavenly voice. Learn to hear these words addressed to yourself. Let them change, mold, and make you to somebody new, the person that God wants you to be. 
discover in this story the heavenly dimension of God's world, life in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We need to make sure every baptismal candidate hears these words, that you are my dearly beloved son. You are my dearly beloved daughter, and you bring me great joy. And Mona is getting ready to be baptized in just a few minutes. And Mona, that is the most important thing that I could share with you, that, that this is what God says about you. And that he's going to mark you as God's own forever. Do you truly know and walk in this love and delight from the Father? Do, do we demonstrate to our children this kind of love? If, if our children do not know and experience this kind of love from God and from us, they will go looking for love in this world and try to find their identity through things and other people. And that's why it is essential that we live this kind of life, that we show this kind of love, we demonstrate it. And I realize that for many of us, we're still walking through the wounds of our childhood. Or for the first, what we did in our 20s. Or whatever it is. Or maybe 30s and 40s. Who knows? But the point is, as we heal ourselves and we understand who we are in Jesus Christ and we demonstrate that kind of life and we live that kind of life for our children, we want our children to grow up and know that they're loved by God, they're loved by us unconditionally. That is our identity. Because we don't want our children, like many of us, trying to find love in the world. I didn't hear any amens, but I know that's, that's true. So let, let, we, we've, been, we've been there and done that. And it, it was not pretty. But Jesus will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within us, changing us from the inside out. To put out fires in our lives and to quench the fires damaging our world, we need the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in us, a fire that heals and purifies as it spreads. We spend time and energy seeking something lost to the extent that we value it. I shared with the first service this morning, it was kind of impromptu, but... Uh, I, I have gotten a little bit lazy when I lose things because my wife has an eagle eye. And she sees things. And, I, and sometimes I just say, oh, this is just too hard. Dawn, you know, come, I'm looking, I've misplaced this. And boy, she could just spot it out. And it's just, I don't know how she does it. It's just intuitive. She just finds it. Um, but, but when Dawn's not there, when I value something, I'm going to look for it. Now, I will spend more time looking for my wallet or mobile phone or an electronic device even a lot more than I would a misplaced magazine or, so, or a book. What we value, we, were gonna, we will spend time looking for. How infinitely valuable we must be to the Lord our God that He sent His own Son to seek and to save us when we were in the valley of death. That's how valuable we are to Almighty God. We're loved, and through repentance and faith and baptism, we are washed clean and adopted as His truly loved son and daughter. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Embrace your identity. I'm closing. So just stay with me. Embrace your identity. Remember your baptism. And live in a continual pattern of death to sin and resurrection and new life that comes through discipleship and ongoing repentance 
through the sacraments, through the people of God, spending our life for the King, living our life in the kingdom of God. God's people said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and pick up a hymn book that's found in the pew. Um, If you're not sure what color it is, it's the blue one. Turn to hymn 296. I'd like us to sing, We Know That Christ Is Raised. And this is a cue for all parents to go pick up your children so they get to be here for baptism. So uh, this is a cue. Amen.